Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Cardinals GM Steve Kime. Kime time. With Burns and Gambo. Presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. Welcome back. It is a Friday edition of the Burns and Gambo show here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. And as we do every Friday, we chat with the general manager of the Arizona Cardinals, Steve Kime. He stops by for his weekly visit here on the Burns and Gambo show. Steve, how are you on this Friday afternoon? I'm doing good, man. Well, you had to feel great about that win against the Rams. You guys have struggled against them for for so many years. To to go there, to beat them the way you did, you got to feel like you salvaged your season in some way with that victory. Yeah, I think so. And, and again, like as you said, a much-needed win. But uh, under those circumstances, with a backup quarterback and a patchwork offensive line, I, I think everybody stepped up. And as we said a million different times, next man up mentality, they certainly took that and ran with it. And uh, really, really proud of those guys. Colt McCoy hasn't been in a starter for 11 years. But, man, he is the, the quintessential backup quarterback, isn't he? I mean, you've had Hunley and Stravler, and you've tried a bunch of different guys at that position. Why did you settle on Colt McCoy a few years ago. You know, I think it's, um, again, the number of things. Well, number one is his eyes and ability to help um, Kyler when he's not playing. Uh, his infectious personality in the locker room is second to none. Uh, if, if you didn't spend any time with Colt McCoy, you can realize what a special human being he is. And that's why last season when we talked about free agency, and I know a number of people wondered why we didn't um, you know, venture out and sign up a number of free agents from other teams, we focused on guys that we knew. And Colt McCoy was at the top of our list. From your perspective, how different did the offense function with him in charge? How much more functional was the offense with him in charge? What difference did Colt bring when he was running the offense last week? Well, you know, I think it's, I don't want to say um, that it was a whole lot different from the offense in other ways. I mean, obviously, both quarterbacks bring a, a degree of talent into the position. I just felt like last week, you know, I thought as a whole, as a unit, we played in rhythm. The timing was excellent. Uh, he was on script with his receivers. We did not get ourselves into third, second longs, which to me, field position and, and down and distance is a huge issue in this league. And, and I thought we played smart, smart football. So, again, kudos to those guys, especially the guys up front who, get, again, were put in a tough position. I know with the extra day built in because of Monday Night Football down in Mexico City, you've got an extra day to decide. Is there anything in terms of the latest that you can give us when it comes to Kyler or Colt and what your plan is going to be on Monday against the Niners? I don't. You know, I, I'm, I'm not sure. You know, Kyler has practiced and he's I know he's feeling better, but at the same time, you know, we're not sure if he can open up and run full speed yet. So it could be close to a game time decision. Um, but again, you know, just the fact that he's out there uh, practicing and doing some different things, obviously, is, is a good sign. Look, when you guys are struggling, there, there's a huge debate among, you know, on sports radio, fan base everywhere. Is it is it Cliff in the offense? Is it Kyler and him regressing? Did that game that Colt McCoy played, getting rid of the ball quickly, 2.5 seconds, every throw down the field, the accuracy, the intermediate passing between 10 and 20 yards, how good he was. Did that Does that just show you that Kyler has regressed and that he's not running the offense the way he should be? You know, I don't think so. I think, again, I think it goes back to different opportunities. And uh, I think Coach has done a good job. And I think there were opportunities early in the season. You know, I think no Kyler missed a portion of uh, preseason training camp, which was difficult for him. But, um, you know, again, I think last week Colt did as, as good as a job as he could. I mean, think about how long it's been since he's played in a real football game. And for him to operate at such a high level says a lot about his football acumen. All right, big injury, though. Zach Ertz goes down. It's going to have a huge impact 
on the team. Uh, he's going to be out for the season. You did draft with your first draft pick. You did draft a tight end in Trey McBride. Is he ready to step up? How much will he be involved in this game plan against the 49ers Monday night? Yeah, 100%. And to see, keep seeing him continue to get better and better and growing as a player. I know there, again, you know, you guys have to work in a business where you question certain things. And uh, I'm not to say, not to say that you both have questioned this, but you know, there's people that probably scratched their head and said, why would you take a tight end at that spot? Number one, he was the best player on our board. Number two, your needs in April never the same as they are in November, which right now is a different need. So, um, you know, I, I'm not to say that it, I'm the smartest guy in the room where we made the right decision every time, but you know the, the, these are the times that you look back and you say, take the best player available that can help you win football games. Steve Keim, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo show here on Arizona Sports. You mentioned the patchwork offensive line. You're always going to see it through the eyes of a former offensive lineman, which yours are. How did you feel like they played given all the different bodies and even in-game rotating different bodies throughout the line, Steve? Yeah, I thought I thought they played very, very good for, the again, the position they're put in. I mean, when you have to block uh, some of those guys that they had to block, you know, 54, 99, you can get on the list of the talented players that they had that were so healthy. And you have a guy like Lucita Smith, who's a rookie from Virginia Tech. Kelvin Beachin, who's a who's a pro, pros pro. And those guys just did a phenomenal job, you know, in terms of um, being able to run the ball effectively. I can't, I can't tell you how many times I think we were in like third and three, third and four, which, again, are manageable situations because you're able to run the ball effectively and then you'll be able to use a play-action game. When you look at the contributions you got from Majai Sanders in that game, another one of your draft picks, you drafted two guys to help with the pass rush. He's already got more sacks than Chandler Jones. I'll just throw that in there. But, you know, usually we, we've, we've usually had to wait a year or so to see the benefits of uh, Zayvon Collins or Isaiah Simmons. We're getting to see him with Majai right now. He had a fantastic game. You drafted him out of Cincinnati. How good of a pass rusher do you think he could become? No, I think he could be really good. And again, you know, you saw him on tape in, in college, and I think the one game that stuck out that stuck out to me was he played against Alabama, and he was disruptive as could be against the first round offensive tackle. Um, really, really long and athletic. When you see his body type and some of his movement skills, uh, I'll take you way back and show you how old I am. He kind of reminds me a little bit of Simeon Rice that way when he came out of college. And uh, he's just a long, bendy athlete that got tremendous quickness and get off. And again, him getting more and more opportunities, you're starting to see what kind of player he can be. Same with Cam Thomas, number 97 from San Diego State, who's another rookie that I feel like we we did a nice job identifying in the draft and can be a very, very good pass rusher here in the future. So you can hit on some of these guys, and then you got two guys inside that are six foot five and can run like Isaiah and and uh, and Zaven, and those guys continue to play at a high level. So defensively, as I said to you guys last couple weeks, you know, other than when we've gotten tired, I've been very, very happy with the way they played. What sort of tone did Buddha set by choosing to play in that game, or him being available for that game? Maybe that's the right way to phrase that question. Well, man, I, I'm I'm telling you, I. Um, he ceases to amaze me every week. I mean, I've, I've never been around a guy like him, and I've been around some good ones. But uh, his heart, his desire, his passion is second to none. It is amazing to watch. Steve, there was a surprise move by the organization this week with the release of Eno Benjamin. Can you share with us, share with our audience, some of the reasons that went into the release of Eno, Eno this past week? Yeah, well, Cliff, Cliff, I think, addressed that. And, you know, it was a decision made by the organization. And, you know, we, we wish him well in Houston. There are reports out there that he was unhappy with playing time and got 
into it with one of the coaches after the game. Can you confirm that? Wish him the best in Houston. All right. How about your running back situation going forward? He was your number two running back. Um, your your depth is challenged a little bit at that position. James Conner just came back. He was very good. You've got a couple guys on the practice squad that you'd sign this year. Where do you see the running back situation going into this game against San Fran? I think predominantly James Conner, and I think Keontae Ingram, you know, who I think, again, another rookie out of USC, has done some good things. Physical runner, nifty feet. For a big guy, can really like cut laterally. And, uh, you know, getting excited to see more of him because I think he's got an opportunity to be a good back for us. Hollywood Brown, um, he's close. How close is he? Do you expect him to play on Monday against San Fran? Uh, not 100% sure, but he has looked very, very good this week in practice. Uh, again, you know, sometimes with the timing and getting back involved in the game plan can be dicey for guys like him. But just physically out of practice, he's looked really good, and hopefully uh, he'll have an opportunity to play this week. Because once, once, once you get all those weapons on the field, to me, it's going to be exciting to see how we distribute the football, you know, whether it's Hop or getting Robbie in involved more in the mix and back to AJ and, and again, obviously, Hollywood Brown. Yeah, is that, and I was just going to follow up with that is that sort of what makes it hurt a little bit with Zach because I'm sure everybody over there was probably dreaming of getting everybody back and and that's obviously not going to happen now with Zach it does it yeah. does it kind of leave you wishing you're wondering what it would have all looked like if everybody would have been available at the same time yeah, you know, it does. And, and I, Zach's one of those guys that there's, you know, a handful of them on your team that when not only when they get hurt, you, you lose the player and you're, you're really disappointed. But I, I can't tell you how much I admire Zach Hurts as a human being. I mean, him off the field, his work ethic, uh, his smarts, his intelligence, the way he communicates with his teammates. He, he's just a good, good man. And uh, obviously, again, feel very sorry for him and the fact that he's done for the season. I don't think we can uh, do this interview without talking about Lasita Smith especially after the hard knocks. They really built up how nervous he was and the opportunity. You're going up against Aaron Donald. And Colt McCoy had a lot to do getting rid of the ball quickly. But Lasita Smith held up very, very well. Uh, another draft pick. Tell me about him. He's, I mean, coming out of Virginia Tech, you know, I thought he could be a, uh, ultimately a very good center or guard combination guy. Very athletic. I thought he was a little raw with his technique coming out, but he did a very, very good job, you know, for the most part. Obviously, Aaron Donald's going to get his. Uh, I think what sometimes with the, the, the youth these days, it's funny because these guys almost, it's like they, they don't know. They, they don't know who the other players are. Like, I don't know that he knew how good Aaron Donald was. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes today, and like I was at my son's game at Hamilton High School the other night, and they were playing Chandler, and I asked a couple of the players if you know if they remember Brian Erlacher because his son plays for Chandler High. They didn't know who Brian Erlacher was. <laughs> That's crazy. It's just crazy. Or some of these linebackers in yeah. the combine, they don't remember who Ray Lewis is, and I'm thinking to myself, what world have we gotten into where people don't remember Ray Lewis, Brian Erlacher? I mean, Jim Zonka's got no chance. We're old, Steve. That's all it is. We're just getting old, man. That's what it is. Hey, listen, hey, best, of, best of luck against San Francisco. Francisco in Mexico City um, with the passport and the travel and the international. It's going to be a big spotlight game. Best of luck in that game. We'll talk to you next Friday, okay? Thanks, man. Talk to you soon. Thank you. That was Steve Kime joining us on the Arizona Sports Line. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. When we come back on Burns and Gambo, Phoenix Suns, their biggest question, their biggest concern going into a big game tonight against the Utah Jazz. We'll talk about that and maybe sneak in a quick reaction to Steve Kime and what he said about Eno Benjamin as well. Next on the Burns and Gambo Show. 
Football Friday with Burns and Gambo. Presented by 72 Sold. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Do you know who was very interested in our conversation with Steve Kime about Eno Benjamin? Oh, Eno Benjamin. Eno Benjamin, the verified Twitter account, liked a tweet from our show page. Why was Eno Benjamin cut at Burnsy987 and at Gambo987? We'll ask Cards GM Steve Kime at 3. Don't miss their exclusive conversation on at AZ Sports. Eno Benjamin liked that tweet. No, really? Oh, so, yeah, verified Eno Benjamin. Oh, yeah, he was. And he, we didn't tag him either. And we, so he, no, we he didn't tag him. He just found it. He, he must have must follow our show on Twitter. Or he's got notifications on or whatever. However, he, he, we didn't tag him. Eric, you're the one who sent out the tweet? Okay, yeah. We, Eno's not tagged in it. But Eno liked the tweet. So, Steve, like, we're going to talk about the Suns here in a minute. Obviously how, a fun how, game how about that? that? Yeah, right? Yeah. That's, so he liked the tweet on Kimes going to talk about Eno Benjamin. Yep. Now, talk about him. We use that phrase very loosely. Cliff, I think, addressed that, and, you know, it was a decision made by the organization, and, you know, we wish him well in Houston. We wish him well in Houston. Your follow-up question? There are reports out there that he was unhappy with playing time and got into it with one of the coaches after the game. Can you confirm that? Wish him the best in Houston. And that was it. That was it. And there was, look, there's no reason to push him any further than that. You well, know? He's not going to say, that's we're just, on, it's, it's Bill Belichick, we're on to Houston. We're on, we're on, we're on to Cincinnati. Yeah, we're on Cincinnati. to Cincinnati. I'm just here so I don't get fined. I mean, it, it's, and that's, if that's the position, that, that's Steve's right to take that position. You know what? We've, we wish him the best in Houston. The, the assumption at this point is that the answer is going to come on Wednesday night. Based on, I know you talked about this yesterday. I was gone. I was at a, I was at a friend's wedding. The assumption is that on Wednesday married? night, married, married, when hard knocks, Episode three drops based off of the comments made by the director to PHNX Sports. Supposedly, it shocked even them what happened. We will see. Yeah, he obviously was upset that he wasn't getting the play in time over James Conner. And there was a report out there about some kind of confrontation with the coach. I can confirm all of that that's true. I do think that there's one more piece to the story that um, if, if the Hard Knocks gets it, um, that could be a big piece, too. So I do think that there's like three things that led to Eno being dismissed by this team. Two of them are out there. I do think yeah, there's another one. But you know what? It's one thing for it to be out there, and it's another thing to see it. You're like, oh, okay. yeah. To sit there and say, oh, yeah. He got into a confrontation with a coach. Well, okay. Draymond Green punched Jordan Poole in practice. Then you see the, then you see the video. Andrew. Oh, my goodness. That's, that's, Tiger Woods got in a car crash. And it, oh, like. That's the right? perfect example. Yeah. You have a very visceral reaction to the video of it, you know, where you see, oh, my gosh, right? And so that's, it's one thing to say it. It's quite another to see it. And, you know, I, I, I hope, I hope the folks at NFL Films aren't writing checks that they can't cash. You know what I mean? Like, I, 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 I saw the comments. I saw the comments that he gave to PHNX Sports. And I hope that NFL Films is prepared to deliver on that because that I'll tell you what, that's what I'm going to be watching for. That's what I'm going to be looking for on Wednesday night. You know, OK, what what happened? What what happened? Because Steve and the organization have decided it's in their best interest to not say anything about what happened. They made their move. They, they released them and they haven't 
really said anything about it on the record ever since. So we'll see. We'll find out. But the fact that Eno, you know, in Houston now, who's in the same situation that he was here. I mean, he's not probably going to get a ton of carries in Houston. They've got like a rookie of the year candidate in but front of them. But they have nobody else who'll be the number two back. Yeah. They've got nobody. Bes- he's the easy number two back on that team right now. Yeah. Because they don't have anybody. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. But um, anyway, we just wanted to react a couple of minutes to that because I know we yeah, were. good stuff. Good pre- stuff. Prepared Having to ask fun for- on a Friday, man. Let's go. Prepared to um, uh. ask Steve Kime about it. We did. That's what he said. And, you know, Benjamin, guy, we got a little reaction out of it as well. All right. Suns, Utah Jazz tonight, 7 o'clock. You'll hear it here on Arizona Sports, the Arizona Sports app, 98.7. We've already... And we'll do this again in the 4 o'clock reset just to kind of reset the reset. Reset the reset. Nothing to the John Collins report that Sham Sharania put no, out No, the there. Suns have no interest okay. in John Collins. That is that report. Even though it's coming from a real reputable guy, uh, he is wrong. That that report is inaccurate. It is not true. Okay. Suns, on the other hand, and there's more to say about the Suns. Harrison Barnes was mentioned in that report. Kyle Kuzma. Harrison Barnes, You, I'll just put a, you know, the, the Cliff Notes version here. Doesn't seem like the Kings are in a position to be trading Harrison Barnes. No. I talked to them. They have no interest in. I talked to them today. They have no interest in trading. Mike Brown loves them. Mike loves Harrison Barnes. Got a nice veteran like that with those young kids. They're playing so well. They got one of the best rookies in the NBA. I mean, they they, they don't want to trade Harrison Barnes. Kyle Kuzma, maybe, but we'll see. Suns like him. Maybe. Suns like him in Washington may get to the point where they would trade him. Kyle Kuzma, I cannot rule out Kyle Kuzma. All right. We're about a month, month and a half into the season. You're seeing a lot of this on the, the internet. Every NBA team's biggest question after one month, each NBA team's biggest concern right now after each, after one month in the season. Two different stories, two different concerns. The Bleacher Report concern cites Father Time finally catching up to Chris Paul, a conversation that I feel like we've had many times. The Athletic brings up the biggest concern right now, Devin Booker's durability. Okay. And how much, and, and to me, that one's the more interesting one because I feel like we've had the Chris conversation, right? Like we, until he gets back on the floor, it's really hard to talk about father time. We saw what we saw before he got hurt. Devin Booker's getting used a lot, right? And, and because the help, these games are close and when it's a five point game, they're going to, they want to ride and they want to try to win. And the help hasn't come, but they do have well, to be. Well, you did the other night though, right? Oh, With sure and campaign. And, oh yeah. Even Dwayne Man. Washington coming off the bench had a couple of big moments, right? So, but campaign and Mikhail Bridges Killed oh, it. The three I mean, point shot was amazing. They, are, Book really got a lot of help in that game. Are you concerned about Devin Booker's usage this of early course. in the season? I mean, you I have think to you be, have right? To be. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's a it's it's a heavy load that you're asking a guy to play, and you know it's. Um, you know, it's he's still young, but you know when you're f- when when you're playing a heavy load and you're forced to have to do the scoring and the passing and all the things that he's doing, he's playing so much better defensively. Sure, I mean I worry about it a little bit. I probably out of those two things though, I probably worry more about the farther time with Chris Paul than I than I do farther time catching up with Chris than I do the concern over books playing time. I know that they want to manage it, and what's what needs to happen is that they need to, you know, blow some of these teams out and give them the fourth quarter off and not bring them back. And, you know, and I know sometimes it's, you know, you're up by 10 or 12 and you, you know, you want to get them back in there at the six minute mark. Maybe
maybe ride it a little bit longer. See if the bench can increase the lead or keep it the same so you don't have to bring them back. So I want to see how Monty uses that. Obviously, if they're up by 20 in the fourth quarter, they're going to pull a guy out of the game. But I'd like to see them not have to bring him back early in the fourth quarter, and that way he might be able to, to, to manage that minute load a little bit. All right, when we come back on this Football Friday, do the Cardinals have a case to make the NFL playoffs? And if so, how would you build that case for the Cardinals? We'll talk about that next on Arizona Sports. Football Friday with Burns and Gambo. Presented by 72 Sold. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Cardinals sitting at home last night on their couch were able to move up a notch in the pecking order in the NFC when the Green Bay Packers lost to the Tennessee Titans. Boy, Aaron Rodgers looks bad in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and the Titans. Really bad. Titans. Yeah, they're good. Ryan Ryan Tannehill looked really efficient, and it didn't even get like a huge night from Derrick Henry last night. They kind of just sat back and let the Packers do it to themselves. So by dropping to four and seven, the Packers are now 11th in the NFC. The Cardinals. Cardinals move up one spot to 10th. They, they still obviously have not that long of a way to go in terms of the win-loss record. The seventh seed right now, the last team in is San Francisco. They're only five and four. Cardinals are four and six, but obviously the Falcons are in front of them and the Commanders are still in front of them. Both of those teams play this weekend, and we'll tell you about that a little bit later. If the Cardinals are going to build a case for making a late season run to the postseason, all right, it's possible. It's certainly there. It would require them to play at a level that they just haven't reached consistently enough this season to even fathom such a thing. But it's certainly possible in terms of the numbers. It starts with beating the 49ers on Monday. It's just another one of those kind of like elimination games for them. If they lose that one, it's really hard to see how it's going to happen. But I I thought it was interesting that NFL.com, Gambo, tried to present a case for seven different fringe teams, half in the AFC, half in the NFC. And what's the case for and what's the case against? How could they get in? How could they not get in? And one of the reasons they cited it's going to be tough for the Cardinals is their schedule. And it's tough coming up. But they, you know, we, we looked at, and I like this, I, I like I, I like the angle. We looked at a three-game stretch with Seattle, the Rams, and the 49ers. And said, man, you got to go two and one. But once they lost to Seattle, it was like, okay, now you're really in a hole. And that's why I ruled them out, because I'm like six out of eight. I just don't know if that was possible. But they broke it down another way. Okay, so they split with Seattle and the Rams. Okay, so they, they, they held serve. They held serve. Lost to Seattle, beat the Rams, they held serve. They took it another way, and they said, look at the next three games. You got the 49ers, or a neutral, just called neutral side, okay? It's a neutral side game. Okay. Then you're home against the Chargers, home against the Patriots. You got two AFC teams. So they took, and I liked this because if you say, okay, they held serve with Seattle and the Rams, now you look at the next three. And what could they do in those three games? Can they go two and one in those three? Because if they go two and one there, now you get into the final four games of the season. You're six and seven. And you've got to win three out of four. Denver, not a good team. Tampa, not a good team. Atlanta, not a good team. And then the 49ers on the road. So if you look at it in a new way, a new two out of three, forget Seattle and the Rams, those are over. Look at the next three games. 
Can they win two out of three? And now the Chargers are good and the Patriots are good. So, like, they're decent teams. They're not great, but they're good teams. They're both home, though, and one is off the bye. The, the Patriots game's off the bye. Mm-hmm. So more time to get ready. So if you look at if you look at that in a three-game period and you say, okay, can they win two out of three, you at least give yourself a chance in the final four games. Now, again, margin for error is really slim. You know, you lose to Denver, you got, then you got to win three in a row. Because I, I do think nine and eight could get them in. I do think so. Uh, it's not a guarantee. It's not a guarantee because the NFC East is just killing it. Yep. Um, but you got to at least get to nine wins to have a chance as a wild card. Yeah, it's and I guess this is where you know before before I can start thinking about it that way, and it's a really interesting way of thinking about it. Now I happen to think the Buccaneers are you know to me I put the Buccaneers in with the Patriots or even with the Chargers, like a team that is good, are capable of being great, they're capable of being bad. You're never quite sure what version of them you're going to get. I'll give you the Broncos are bad. Falcons, I'm not buying them for a second, even though technically they're ahead of the Cardinals right now in the standings. But the Bucks, I put more in line with the Chargers and the Patriots. But let's go with your three game theory here on this one. Okay. The reason why I'm struggling right now with really buying the Cardinals as being in this thing is because, and you know what I'm going to say Conference here. record, well, a division record. Just, just the schedule they've beaten so far has been very unimpressive. Very, very unimpressive. Now we can Raiders, point- terrible. Yep. Carolina, terrible. New Orleans, terrible. The Rams, terrible. terrible. I mean, you're talking about literally four of the bottom eight teams in this league, okay. right? And and so for me, until if if you're going to convince me that the Cardinals can go on this run, and I'm not saying you, John Gambador, I'm saying in general, if you're going to convince me the Cardinals are going to go on this run, they have to start beating good to decent teams. They have to. They, they haven't play, done it yet. They played clear. Listen, they, if they, they win that game against Philly, they're 5-5, five and five, and this I is know, for first place but, in the NFC West, but, but they lost. But if and butts were candy and nuts, it'd be Christmas every day. They lost. They lost. They lost that game. I, 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 close. I don't care about close. I want wins. Wins. Close doesn't get you in. No, it, it, close doesn't mean you're playing in January. It's not that. The point is that it's not like they're that much worse than some of these teams. No, they're you not. Know, that's the point but I'm making. Like Minnesota is supposed to be really good. Philly's supposed to be really good. I mean, they're not. They're and, not that and, good. And it's a point well made. But you have, you have to, to win start sure. beating some of the. And until I get it. until they beat one of them, I don't know if they've got it in them. I'll just be honest. I just until they beat San Francisco on Monday night. Now, if they do, and we come in here on Tuesday, and you could say, "See, I told you they were close against Philly. They were close against Minnesota, and they broke you through against 49. And that will be the moment I say, "You know what? Maybe this is possible." Because you know what they did? They finally went out and beat a decent team. They haven't done it all year long. And when that happens, then I can view the rest of the schedule through a different lens. Then I can look at the Patriots and say, "Oh yeah, they could beat the Patriots." But I think there's a lot of teams that are like that. Like, um, oh, I'll just take. The Chargers. The Chargers lost to the Chiefs. They lost to Seattle. They lost to the 49ers. Their wins are against the Falcons, the Broncos, the Browns, the Texans, and the Raiders. They didn't beat anybody. They haven't. They haven't beat anybody. They haven't. So you start to look at, you know, when you start to look at it like in those terms, it's like, okay, there's, there's a lot of bad teams in the league this there are, year. There are a lot of bad teams. but and, and the Chargers I have no argument for. But the Cardinals' wins have come against the very, very bottom. I mean, go look at, when you look at ESPN standings. They'll show you a category of the win percentage of the teams that you've beaten. Oh my gosh, the whole league's a mile ahead of the Cardinals in that category. A mile. Because Where the do Cardinals- you see that? I've never seen that. Okay, stat. Go, to, go to... I'm on ESPN. Okay. I don't know how to you, find that. You're on the ESPN... Yeah, I got the stats right up NFL, on standings. NFL yeah. play- go to playoff. 
Next to standings, click oh, playoff. Playoff? And they order the teams in the... Strength of schedule? And go look at SOV. What's that mean? Strength of victories. Strength of victories. Cardinals are at 29%. Are you down with SOV? <laughs> well, it's, it's... Are you down with SOV? Yeah, yeah you know me. You know me. Are you down, down with, with SOV? Oh, my God, 289. That's ah, Oh my God! It's not just even went close. on. Yes. Wow. Whoa. I've never seen that before. It's like it's like I I'm, learned something today. <laughs> I learned I learned what SOV means and where to find it. Wow! I didn't even, like I didn't even know where to find it. Sometimes you look at something like with three letters and you don't know what it is. I'm like, I don't know. I just I just avoid it. Wins, losses, and ties. I'm good with that. And I hope you're not mocking it. Maybe you are a little bit. No, I, don't I know. just I don't know. It. I, don't, I, just, I just think know. that until I'm an information guy, until but not that, type that of number goes up, I just I'm not going to believe it until I see it. I need to see it. Jeez, that's really bad. And I don't wow. need to see close. I don't care about close. I don't. You're down with SOV. I don't care about close. Give me wins. Give me victories. Right, because then it'd be Christmas every day. <laughs> if, if if and butts were candy and nuts, it would be Christmas I every love day. Christmas. So do I. But yes. we can't go. If they beat Philly, they didn't. If they beat Minnesota, they didn't. Mm. They didn't. Right, I know. So And beat, even if you beat San Francisco, you're beating a team that's barely above five hundred. But right you now. but you know what? I think the eye test come on, what do your eyes tell you? That's a good football team. San Fran? Yes. Oh, yes. That's a good football yeah. team. They're yeah. five and four. Beat, beat San Francisco? That's a good football but they, team. But they've, Cardinals have had their number. They have. We'll see if they have this I mean, year. the like coming off of a win and against if, the Rams. They and play if they well. Do, maybe. If they do, I'll happily reset the conversation on Tuesday about the Cardinals. I'll come in here and say, okay, let's talk about a team that can make the playoffs. Let's talk about a team that maybe can go on a run in the second Is half Cliff of the Kingsbury season. Kingsbury reversing his fortunes Seriously. in the second half of the season? Right. Cliff might have figured out a way to, to, to reverse the stream here a little bit, right? Like, see, that's why I didn't play anybody in the preseason. So I've got to gear up for the second half. Maybe. I'm going to take over this league right now. And if they do, then bring it on. Okay. Let's go. But they got to be one of those teams first. And then we can have that conversation. That's a poll question. How many people know what SOV is and know where to find it on <laughs> well, that? Uh, well, even without that, even without that column, all you have to do is add up the wins, right? And, yeah, and I go, just, I just and go like, the, the Raiders have won two, the Rams have won three, the Panthers have won yeah. three, the Saints have won three. I doubt there are very many teams in the NFL who have got a lower number than that in terms of their wins. I think we just, yeah. They played bad teams. Yeah, That's they, it. There That's you pretty go. simple. There you go. They played, they've beaten bad teams. Uh, this weekend, it's not for ASU, mind you. It's going to be a defining weekend for the Conference of Champions, as in, can they produce a champion? that's worthy of competing for the big title. That's next on Burns and Gambo. Football Friday with Burns and Gambo. Presented by 72 Sold. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, so the way I see it, and I, I think Gambo agrees, there are... Three really, really interesting games to keep an eye on this week in the Pac-12. A fourth, if you want to count ASU, just because even though they're out of it, you know, Sean Aguano trying to maintain the job, right? But the, but in terms of any kind of bearing on the conference standings or anything, ASU lost bowl eligibility, so so yes, they don't have that. If U of A could just win this well, week. that's And that's that to and me is game makes, number one. So we got an angle here. We that, got an angle. That's game number one. Okay. Game number one to pay attention to this weekend in the Pac-12. 12 happens at noon on the Pac-12 network when Arizona hosts Washington State. Yes. Arizona, if they win that game, 
would maintain, would achieve bowl eligibility by beating ASU the day after Thanksgiving. Yep. So that's an interesting game to watch just for that reason alone. Can they put themselves in that position? And Jaden Delora facing his old team for the first time since he left the Palouse. He's done a great job for the U of A. You're going up against a Cougar team that leads the Pac-12 in points allowed, giving up just 19.8 per game. So their defense has been really good. They're on pace for their best mark since 2003. But Arizona's offense, they've scored a at least 30 in seven of their 10 games, and they put up a lot of yards. Uh, so it will be interesting. I mean, it could be a very good and fun game to watch. But yes, U of A is going to have to take down Washington State at home, at, at home, home, at home, in order to put themselves in a position to play ASU. And if they win that game, go to a bowl game. Yeah, uh, Delora, over 3,100 yards passing so far this year, 24 touchdowns. He's been a good find. And if he can beat his old school, then it puts Arizona in a really interesting position. Bad offensive line for Washington State. Their quarterback's been sacked 30 times, second most in the Pac-12, so their offensive line has not been able to protect Cam Ward. So should be a a fun game to watch. But if your goal is something bigger than bowl eligibility and you're more interested in will the Pac-12 get a team in the college football playoff for the first time since 2016, boy, have we got a weekend for you. I mean, basically... I, almost like a like a semifinal, really, when you think about it. Seventh ranked USC goes to sixteenth ranked UCLA, and then has l- to win. They later, have to win later that night. Tenth ranked Utah taking on twelfth ranked Oregon. Do you know yeah. that according to most of the like predictor models, the computer models, Utah is the team favored to win the Pac twelve. Uh, I'm not surprised by that because they probably feel that you, there's they don't they, most people don't feel the USA see USC is going to be able to win the three games. It's it's the UCLA game, then it's the Notre Dame game, and then it's the Pac-12. And the Pac-12 changed this year. Yes. Remember, so people don't know it's not North versus South anymore. It's the, the two, two teams with the best winning percentage. So there is no North versus South play each other for the championship like the year Todd Graham got ASU and they played Stanford and they lost. There is no North and South. It'll be the two best teams. So the feeling is that it's going to be really hard for them in the running table and go 3-0. and oh. Yeah, and to do it, those would be three really impressive wins. I mean, they will have beaten UCLA, Notre Dame, and let's just say Utah, even though Oregon might win that game. You, you're you a one-loss Pac-12 school, and you've got that. Now, you're still going to need some help. But, Obviously, you're, you're going to need some other things around college football to happen. But a two-loss Pac-12 team is not going to the playoffs. Oh, no, no, And that's why, like, the Utah-Oregon game, it's... Utah's not going. No, I guess the, only, two losses. the only reason why Utah-Oregon matters, I think is that the winner of that game is probably the team facing USC in the Pac-12 championship, right? That's the, they're not getting into the college. It's just so who would you rather play if you're USC? Who do you think you can beat if you're USC? You know, that's who um, do you get in? I'd who rather you, play Oregon. I probably would too. So who would you rather, you know, cuz you've already lost to Utah. Now if you avenge your loss to Utah and your USC, well then Lottie da, that might help your that might help your case too. But no, I'm not saying that game matters because that team has a, a chance yeah. to get in. It's just Who's going to play USC in the Pac-12 championship game if USC can beat UCLA and if they can beat Notre Dame? Now, look, at the end of the day, it might not be enough. A one-loss USC team, it might not be because enough. Because conference schedule was garbage. It's terrible. It's terrible. It's garbage. But I think their schedule is going to get a really nice boost with how they finish the season. It will. I it's, just don't know it, how much of a boost. The thing with them is that they, you know, they're going to need things like UCLA losing Arizona. That took them out of it. So now USC, UCLA is almost trying to play 
play spoiler and keep USC out of it. You said, let's beat USC and make sure they don't go to the playoffs. So that's what you're trying to do, you know, as well if you're UCLA after that terrible loss to, to Arizona. I, I read an analysis about this okay. um, in The Athletic. This was from a couple of days ago. Uh, for the Trojans to feel comfortable on Selection Sunday, they'll probably need two of the following four things to happen. And that's where it becomes a problem. This And this assumes USC one loss and they beat everybody on the rest of their schedule. Okay. okay. Give it to me. Two of the following four. A two-loss ACC champion, a, TC, Possible. a TCU loss, Possible. a Tennessee loss, okay. or Michigan or Ohio State to get clobbered in their game. Whoever loses, loses by a lot. Mm. The analysis was sort of, if UFC finishes with one loss and they want to make absolute sure they get in, they probably need two of those four things to happen. If only one of those four things happen, they're going to be sweating it out. To see whether they get in or not, because then you know other teams will have a case. Then the loser of Michigan Ohio State might say, "Yeah, we've got one loss, and our one loss was to Ohio State. They beat us on a last second field goal, right?" Or Tennessee's like, "Yeah, our one loss was to Georgia. They're the defending national champion. You know, th- that's so a, they need that's another a better loss. loss than than USC's loss to Utah, yeah. right? Like, so can can, can TCU's well, got Baylor and, and Iowa. The TCU's won a lot of games, but a lot of those games have been really." You know, well, those games have been really close, really close, and then can Clemson lose another yes. game? You know, and and so that's that's the help USC's gonna be looking for. I, look more than anything, yeah, they need a few things. There's no question, they need help. Yeah. They, if they could run the tables, and they're gonna need help to get in. It is, I don't know, Clemson's it's, got. Miami, Miami this week. Okay, yeah, they're not good this year. South Carolina and then North Carolina. North Carolina might get them, but that's. Um, North Carolina might get him. North Carolina is having a good year. It's fun to see the Pac-12 be this alive this late. It's been a long time since we've seen the Pac-12 this alive this late yeah. in a college football season. Now, they're hanging on by a thread. It's USC or bust. Nobody else is getting it. To your point, no two-loss team is getting in. Certainly no Pac-12 two-loss team I'm is gonna, getting I'm, in. I don't know. I'm looking at this Clemson schedule. I don't know. as much. I, Miami's terrible. I mean, North Carolina's not that good. Like, they're probably going to win. They're probably, and as much as I don't like their quarterback play, they're probably going to run that table. So I don't know that you get that. TCU could lose. Um, I'm going to say Clemson won't. Oh. Tennessee, maybe. Ohio State is going to be out for blood against Michigan oh, after I, last year. No, yeah. They are going to be out for blood. Blood in uh, that Tennessee's game. Tennessee's got Van- Vanderbilt. Didn't Vanderbilt just lose to... No, they just beat... It was a, They beat Kentucky? I don't recall. They just beat Kentucky. I don't recall. Yeah, so I'm looking at the Tennessee schedule. I don't know. I don't know. It, there's still a lot of football to be played, but they, they're, they're going to need some None of help. it matters if USC just... If USC no, loses a game. If they lose of one of these three games, it doesn't matter. Right. right? They're, they're not getting... So it, and I don't know if they can. I don't know if they're good enough to run the table against these three teams. We'll see. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo Show, we're at the turn on this Friday afternoon. We've hit the 4 o'clock reset, which means you want to get caught up on everything that's uh, been going on? Keep it right here. We're going to catch you up next. Burns and Gambo.